0: Rachel Meadle from Talking With Tech.
1: And I'm Chris Bougay from Talking With Tech.
0: We have a podcast dedicated to augmentative and alternative communication, all things related to helping kids with complex communication needs.
1: If you have a passion for helping people with language disabilities, this is the show for you. Each episode features an interview or a roundtable discussion on a topic related to augmentative communication and helping people with language disabilities.
0: And we're really passionate about giving practical strategies to clinicians working in the field who are working with children or adults Anything related to AAC.
1: So you can look us up on iTunes or you can find us on Facebook. We've got a group over there or check out our website at bit.ly/slash TWT podcast.
0: Please join our community of professionals that are working to ensure that everyone can say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it.
2: Please listen carefully.
0: What is
3: communication?
4: An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster enough. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each
3: other. Communication is a
5: lifeline. It's just connection with other people, connecting people in terms of
6: ideas, thoughts, or needs. It draws us out of ourselves. Draws us into that relationship. You know, builds up our
7: families without any
3: loss. Whatever it is that we do to express intent
1: and achieve an impact.
3: Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants frustrations and desires to anyone
6: that you feel needs to have that information.
8: Welcome to Speech Science, episode number ninety-nine. We are proud members of the exceptional podcast network. I'm Matt Hot. Joined as always, it's a full crew this week. Michael McLeod. What's up, buddy? Hey, Mike. And Michelle Wintering.
1: Hi, Matt. Hi, Hi Michelle. Mike.
8: <laughs> Guys, we have made it to episode 99 and we couldn't have done it without you at home or in your car. And as always, we want to hear from you. Head over to our website, SpeechSciencePodcast.com. And from there, you can give us a phone call or a text message, 614-681-1798, or email us SpeechSciencePodcast at gmail.com or hashtag SSPod. And you can find us on the Instagrams and the Twitters and everywhere else. Guys, last week, it was the first part of our ASHA Roundup with just Michael and myself. I figured this week we would do a second ASHA Roundup as we play through a few more of our interviews that we got over the weekend. Uh, But Michelle, you didn't get to tell us how your ASHA event went. Uh, Talk to us a little bit. How did you enjoy ASHA?
1: ASHA was great. I hadn't been there since four years ago in Denver, and this is only my second ASHA in my career. Uh, so it was, it was fantastic. I only wish that I could have maxed out my CEU credits. If they somehow would count working at a booth and making <laughs> friends, and talking to <laughs> podcast listeners, then we'd be set, right?
8: See, that's why I made sure I went <laughs> and checked out a couple classes at points, and also did uh, posters.
1: Oh, I I maxed out as much as I could. But right, <laughs> uh, posters, sessions. The hands-on labs were cool, where they had stuff you could go.
8: Oh, I try didn't do out, that.
1: like go check out kind of refresh on hearing aids and cook their implants and bajas and all that stuff and i went for one that was on teletherapy after the interviews i did with kristen martinez from the teletherapy company uh the live podcast was great shout out to hope speaks and their staff and the david's ben and I'm sorry, I'm clearing my throat. I've got this tickle (laughs) in my throat. But Carrie and Ben David, who started uh, Hope Speaks and live in Uganda, providing speech pathology services. So, um, hopefully, that when does that interview go up? That aired last week, number 98. Last week. Awesome. So, hopefully, the one you weren't here for, Michelle. My bad.
8: (laughs) So, I thought what we would do this week, and Michael, how was your week before we get into anything? I'm sorry.
4: It was good, it was busy. But it was definitely uh, it was fun, productive. Got to uh, meet a lot of other uh, SLPs in my area, doing a lot of uh, networking and collaborating. So it's been a, it's been a good week.
8: That is good for me. Yep. It's been uh, easy. Thanksgiving was last week, and we got the new week going. So I'm I'm excited. But I figured for this part, Asho wrap up too. This is where we can kind of create our dream list of future Asha stuff, as well as Asha convention, as well maybe of some nitpicks or things that we really enjoyed uh, at Asha. And I figured this would be a fun little uh, Blue Sky event. Are you familiar with Blue Sky, the idea? No. Michelle, nothing?
1: I said no. no. But the oh, same I didn't hear you. you I'm did. sorry.
8: So Blue Sky is kind of like a theater or as a uh, theme park idea where you throw out any idea. It doesn't matter how expensive or how crazy or how off the wall. And it's just kind of like a a nice round table idea. I figured that would be what today would be about some blue sky of ideas for future Asha convention stuff. And also uh, I'm going to play the rest of the live uh, show from Mei Ling and Rachel from the live podcast taping. Also, I had an interview with uh, Meredith Williams Or uh, Dr. Meredith Harold, not Meredith Williams, Dr. Meredith Harold of the Informed SLP, as well as a few other uh, live interviews we did at our booth. But first, I'm going to start with my biggest pet peeve at ASHA. Again, this year, there were no male restrooms anywhere near the exhibit floor. There was like one you had to go all the way down by the posters but the little worker down there sent me to four different areas that should have been men restrooms and they had all signs that said this one's been changed to female
4: how many men did you come across during the conference
8: okay well in that fairness i think counting myself and uh, can i count the males that were working but not slp's or audiologists
1: no
4: no male slp's uh,
8: oh 10
4: wow 25 you see, that's a problem, because I remember going to uh, the conference in Philly, because I'm here in Philly, and they had a huge initiative in terms of finding males. They had like the whole male recruitment mm-hmm. center, like M-E-N recruitment, and it was a huge <laughs> thing where they were just trying, they had a huge thing where they were just trying to get all the men, and there was like, it was, and clearly, zero progress has been done on that front. I remember on the asha.org main site, uh, right where it listed speech pathologist. It was a man working with a little kid and they're just doing everything to recruit men. And clearly everything they're trying is not working.
1: I mean, I, I feel like I've met quite a few male SLPs, but also audiologists. There's always seems to be more AUDs that are male. Is that true? I think so.
8: I don't know if that's true or not. I saw somebody told me a stat this weekend that the male SLP population was up to 3.9%.
1: From what?
4: 3.7.
7: Okay. So
8: we were slowly ticking to 4%. But, you know, they did have the badges, the uh, mentors and the mentees, and the Gentleman's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen SLPs. They had their own little flag.
1: Did you have a meetup for guys in speech again?
8: Oh. Uh, I know there was some floating around. Did you see anything like that, Mike? Floating around not, on the Facebook uh,
4: um no no
8: i did not that was my other pet peeve and i sound like such a jaded human being (laughs) but i feel like someone needs somewhere tell somebody how many flags you can and cannot wear on your your asha tag
1: oh i think think that makes sense that makes sense Okay, no, I agree. I, you know what? Because the people I saw with the most are SLPs who've been doing this for 40-some years. I saw and one I down to someone's ankle.
8: Someone was down to their ankle. As many ribbons as they want. It was comical. <laughs> it was all the way down to the ankle. It looked like a sash. It didn't look like a convention tag anymore.
1: There you go. I I missed the ribbons. I didn't get any ribbons, You didn't get any? I got no. like five, five
8: or six cool ones. I didn't wear all five or six, but...
1: Because you didn't want to have a sash.
8: I didn't want to look like a failed president from a dictatorship. Oh. <laughs> Just my badges hanging down the side of my, my chest. I know I had a cool one. I had one that said "Was you should have heard it on vinyl. And I figured that was funny for the podcast. I had the male SLP one. I had my presenter and my exhibitor badges.
1: Very cool. Yeah.
8: Michelle, what were some of your things you really liked or pet PVs?
1: Um, you know, I loved the the location, Mm -hmm. um, and I thought the convention center had the, it was a long walk from one end to another, but it was, um, it was easy to get around, even though it was a long walk. And I will say the numbering was my pet peeve because rooms, the way they numbered in order, some would just end and then you'd have to go around a long U corner. Oh Yeah. To go find the other number and it would start low and not high. I got a little frustrated by that. But <laughs> other than that, that's just little little nitpicky things. I loved how um they labeled everything. You could see the boost from ahead, the mm, number ahead so above you, above your head.
8: That's so what I'm trying to say. Michael, what they did was they had flags hanging down with the uh Oh, man, Michelle, my brain just broke, the too. Booth, the, the
9: booth
1: number. Yeah,
8: so like you knew you were in the 300 row or the 800 row or the 1,400 row.
1: And they also had big okay. st- carpet stickers. So if you looked down or you looked up, you could know what oh, really? aisle you
8: were in. I didn't in. see yeah. the carpet stickers.
1: Yeah, at the intersection. I also
8: wasn't looking down very often.
1: Man. oh
8: <laughs> look at that. We're always looking up. What is it? The introvert looks at your their shoes and the extrovert looks at your shoes? I, like I, I don't know that one, but I like it. <laughs> Your own horn there, I, right? It's just I look at other people's shoes. That's what my job is—the extrovert. You know, I what did I really like? I didn't like the parking. The parking was terrible. Seventeen dollars a day.
1: I didn't park at the
8: That's ridiculous. But that's the Orlando Convention Center. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna yeah, fall ash on Asha. that one.
4: Still, that's really bad.
8: Like the first day I really goofed up because I handed him my card. He's like, we can't take card. Do you have cash? And I was like, yep. (laughs) I should have just said, nope. Nope. (laughs) What are you going to do about it? Oh, all right. So that's cool. All right. So let's talk some blue sky stuff. What would you guys like to see next year at San Diego or in the future? Future
4: ashes. Uh, Coming back to the East coast would be nice to the upper, you know, the Northeast would certainly be a, be a positive.
1: So it was up. boston last year right
4: i think so yeah Yep. let's just have all ashes there <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what about our our friends in california who
8: cares all right so uh, yeah next exactly year, 2020 is in san diego 2021 is washington dc there the, you go then new orleans boston dallas washington dc indianapolis uh 2027 20, is pending In 2028, going back out to Denver. 2029, we don't know. And 2030, uh, it'll be in Philadelphia, Michael.
4: Nice. So you got to wait 11 years. 2030, I'll be there. I'll be there. Count me in.
8: You know what Uh, I would like? You know what I really like this year, and I wish I would have known about it more beforehand, was how many classes were being held starting at 7 and 7.30 in the morning and stuff was running until 7 or 7.30 at night.
1: Yeah, because I, I had a miscommunication on that, too, of not realizing that there were things starting earlier mm-hmm. on the first day. And I I mean, I know, Asher, that's just the way it is, but there's just so many things I want to go to, and you cannot possibly get to all of them. True. I have 100 sessions marked off that I want to go to in a day, and they all overlap at the same time trying to
8: think. What else would I want at a future, Asha? More bathrooms for men. Like, just one. Just one. Bath. How
1: about just more bathrooms Because <laughs> even the ones that were marked for women, I felt like there were always lines.
8: Yeah, there were no lines at any of the male ones. I'll just say that. Funny
7: how
1: that works.
8: Maybe that's why they turned all the male ones into female. You know what I didn't like about the Orlando Convention Center, and I hope it's different in San Diego, was... When we went to present for the ethics, it felt like we had to walk three convention centers down just to get to our booth or get to the classroom. It was so far away and so spread out. Hmm. So San Diego Convention Center, I hope you fix that.
1: But I don't know how they can have it anywhere that's closer together with that many sessions running at the same time. Oh,
8: I know. I, I don't disagree. I'm just complaining.
1: And, of course, the two that I want to go to -to back-to-back are the furthest ends of the convention center away from each other. I want more demos. More demos? Yeah, that's why the hands-on lab was cool.
8: Mike, anything that you would like to see at future Ashes?
4: Um, I remember the one that I went to. uh, There were clearly uh, more popular centers. Uh, Like I know I'm a big fan of uh, Sarah Ward who is a speech pathologist yeah. who, spe- who specializes in executive functioning. I think she presents at every ASHA. She's she's amazing. She's like she's like my hero. She Her, her work is just incredible with a lot of the work that I do. Uh, but I remember I went to her thing, and it was like an overflow session. So they give you like a radio, and you got to listen from another room. So I think kind of spreading things out a bit and giving people more options or uh, spreading things out over a couple of days so people get more of an intimate experience mm-hmm. uh i remember that's what i was looking for uh when i went
1: i will say i did not have any session i tried to attend send me to an overflow this time compared oh, to denver, really? I had two or three nice
8: oh that's right i forgot about at denver having those overflow rooms
1: and they had them they had them at the convention center in florida too but did they i feel like in philly they were, too. Less, Same thing. They were less needed because even mm-hmm. the, when I walked by the overflow ones, they were never full. There were never really? many people there. Oh. Yeah. I could be wrong. Somebody please write in and tell me if you're mad because you couldn't sit in on your sessions and had to go to an overflow room. at SpeechSciencePodcast.gmail.com or hashtag
8: SSPod. Yeah, no, I remember those Denver overflow rooms and it was terrible. They weren't even rooms. It was just out in the hallway.
1: It was the same this year, too. Oh, was and it they really? you headphones. Yep.
8: Oh, okay. Yeah
1: yeah I don't know
8: i i the only other thing I wish that asha did more at the convention as well was a little bit more social promotion and maybe I missed it about big speakers um just I felt like I didn't know who was like a big time speaker versus who was just new presenting does that make sense mm-hmm Oh, and the Definitely. other thing, and maybe I'm about to open a can of worms, and I mentioned it during the ethics presentation. can we stop with the pseudoscience like
1: i need I need an example. So what
8: are you- <laughs> there was somebody selling pills to get rid of tinnitus.
1: There uh, was uh, for the booth. Yeah. I don't I don't know how much people with booths are vetted. I don't know. And that's because like, they're paying a lot of money to have that booth. So that's
4: what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. They're it's not gonna ad. they're not gonna vet you if if you're paying.
8: There was essential oils and there was
1: There were a lot of essential oils, I know. I and I that. made
8: the joke that I was walking down pseudoscience aisle because it was like do you have this? Come get your massage and then take these magic pills and things will be fine. And it was
1: like, no, I don't want, don't touch that. Me. Was, there was quite a few of the like stim pouch things, yeah. which those are actually muscle like PG. Well, oh PTSD yeah. 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 Things, but, um, but there were a lot of medical or pseudo medical booths right near our exceptional ed booth.
8: Yeah. It was, it was weird. I don't know, man. <laughs>
1: And also, could we, like, in the future,
8: it'd be kind of cool just if, like, venting. no, Here I don't, you guys blue sky with me, but, like, it would be kind of cool if, like, booths were, like, organized.
1: By category somehow? Yes. That would be amazing. Because, like I,
8: like, I don't know how it was in Philly, Mike, but, like, I'd start walking up and talking to somebody, and they're like, so are you in charge of all the medical records at your facility? And I'm like, nope. And they're yeah. like, oh, this is a medical, we're a medical records company. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to take a pen and a squeezy thing. See you later. A
1: stress ball. I'll stress talk to ball. you another time. Yep. They had them categorized by people, employers seeking They you know,
8: did. Applicants they, did. Stuff, they did. They did. And yeah. And then
1: sales. And I don't know if the rest was all merged in there. I don't know how, but I need somebody who listens who actually had a booth and, and Set it up, getting that booth. Do you have say in where you... No, no say. Where you're positioned? No?
8: No, I was talking to a couple people and they had no say where they were getting put into. Some people liked where they were put because they had like a mini aisle that led directly to their booth. Some Mm -hmm. people liked it because they were magically on the end. So then it felt like they had three, three areas to talk. And some people felt cramped because they were stuck right in the middle of like... Pseudoscience, multi-level marketing sales aisle. I I don't know, man. Like, uh, I don't know. I would like it if it was like more organized. That's my blue sky. No one else yeah. is talking. This just sounds like Matt, old man, Matt yelling at a cloud.
4: At the end of the day, those those conferences are big business. Yes. For, for basically what Asha does is I'm sure there's – A small handful of presenters they have to pay to come
7: Mm
4: -hmm. uh obviously they have to rent out the entire convention center and then everything else is is them all the all the registrations of course and then all those pseudoscience people you know they're 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 trying to make an overall profit on these things and that's that's really that's what it comes down to but overall i did enjoy it
1: i really enjoyed it and i loved getting to catch up and see people i haven't seen in years including since grad school so and michelle you and
8: i saw each other for the first time in person in like a year or three so it's been a while but you know coming up a year or three (laughs) (laughs) but next year we'll be at san diego san diego this year is hosting the world pokemon regional championships Uh, the Gaming Association, and then ASHA in the fall. So I'm excited to go out to San Diego. All right, guys, I'm excited because on this episode, we will be playing the rest of our exciting interviews that we did. Also, the rest of the live podcast event. You're
1: listening to Speech Science.
9: Hi, I'm Mei-Ling Chan.
1: And I'm Martin Sibley.
9: And we are the hosts of the Exceptional Leaders podcast, where we spotlight high profile topics and amazing people who are changing the worldview on disability.
1: Even though we are oceans apart, we are bringing people from all over the world together to discuss inclusion, advocacy, accessibility, and real life journeys.
9: So listen to the Exceptional Leaders podcast to hear the voices and stories from amazing change makers and be inspired to make a real difference in the world.
7: Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
8: Live here with Carrie David from Hope Speaks. Carrie, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good, how was the ASHA live event? I apologize, I was at Mickey's super awesome Christmas party, (laughs) so I was not there.
5: It was amazing. It was an awesome opportunity um, to be part of the podcast with other leaders in the field and just hear uh, about what's going on and also give an update about Hope Speaks and share about the work that's being done in Uganda.
8: I heard just through secondhand knowledge that your presentation was awesome, brought the house down with (laughs) tears and emotions, right?
5: Thanks. Yeah, it was great. So
8: what's happening with Hope Speaks in 30 seconds? What's the big update?
5: Yeah, so Hope Speaks is a nonprofit. We're based in um, Uganda, which is in East Africa, and we provide speech and language therapy services as well as advocacy, education, and social services to kids with disabilities and their families.
8: That is awesome. Now, are you only there a couple months of the year, or are you there wow. full-time?
5: We live there full-time. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah, my husband's Ugandan, oh, and so cool. that's home to us, and then we travel back to the U.S. twice a year.
8: Okay, so where do you go for holidays? Who's Whose house? Who's uh, Uganda or here? Uganda, usually. Do you really?
5: Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm staying for thanksgiving this year but usually we're back in uganda that's the awesome weather's much nicer
8: <laughs> and then this is just going to be a tease because i want to sit down with you for a long-form yeah. interview get to know why you decided to do Definitely. all this do all the fun stuff if yeah. you're open to that it sounds great awesome real quick yeah. on asha 19 yes. what are you liking the most what are you looking forward to
5: i love the networking opportunities <laughs> and getting to meet everyone in person who we've been following on social media and all the people who have donated to hope speaks yep yeah it's been really neat
8: that's awesome what are you looking forward to
5: I'm looking forward to going to the SIG17 group this afternoon. Which one's that? That is a global, the global oh, okay. group, the multicultural okay. Populations. Okay. Very yeah.
8: cool. Um, yeah. Now, I, are we allowed to announce that you're going to be our first recipient?
5: Yeah. I think awesome. So. <laughs> That's going to be so great. So yes. we're
8: doing our CEU. Uh, uh, convention, concourse, the the online part, and you are going to be our first recipient of of the 10%. Yes, we are so excited
5: for that. That is awesome.
8: So, uh, I almost called you Catty, (laughs) so Carrie, what else are you going to be doing? When do you fly back to Uganda? All that kind of stuff. Yeah,
5: I'll be in the U.S. through December 5. Okay. And so we're finishing out our fundraising trip right now. We've been speaking at universities and different partners. And then we'll be heading up to Michigan and awesome. Chicago uh, for Thanksgiving and spending time with family before heading back.
8: That's awesome. And if anyone interested <laughs> or listening is interested, how do I give to Hope Speaks? Yeah. What's all that kind of information? You can
5: find us on social media. It's Join Hope Speaks on Instagram or joinhopespeaks.org.
8: Perfect. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. Welcome back to Asha. I'm. Sp- wow, that is terrible. Hi, Matt Hot from Speech Science Live <laughs> at Asha. I'm so used to doing that out of the breaks. Uh, excited to be joined by the informed SLP and the informed SLPs, Dr. Meredith Harold. And Natalie Douglas, I knew I was going to forget your name. I'm so sorry.
2: No worries. (laughs) No worries at all. Uh,
8: Meredith, welcome to
6: ASHA. Are you having fun? I am having fun. It's huge and overwhelming, but also just so awesome to get to see people in person and learn so much and network. Um, I'm shocked that my voice actually sounds kind of okay because I've been talking for (laughs) six days straight now. (laughs)
8: Are you presenting this weekend or no?
6: Yeah, I've presented a couple times and that's all over. And so now it's Saturday, on the home stretch where I can just kind of socialize with people and chat and meet and stuff, so have you, that's been good.
8: Have you done the entire exhibit hall yet?
6: I have done the entire exhibit hall. I'm one of those people that walks the entire thing because I want to know all the stuff. I want all the
8: pens and all the candy. That's why yeah. I <laughs> do that, so that's probably not good. And then, So let's talk the informed SLP. Yeah. I know there's the big ASHA sale, the 30% off, but what else is going on? And then you brought us a guest today as well. I
6: did, I did, because you and I were chatting earlier, Matt, and you were like, hey, stop by, and I was like, actually, I need to bring people with me because when I first started the Informed SLP, it was just me. But now that we're covering the entire scope, we have a huge team. So we have over 25 people right now. Um, but I brought one of the most important of our team with me. This is Natalie Douglas, and she runs um, the adult side. So she's she's the editor for the adult medical section, which means that she um, oversees and coordinates everybody who contributes content to that section. Because as we all know, it's really hard to be responsible for the entire scope. And I That's definitely right. am not confident Enough to cover the entire scope. So, more people means now we can cover fully, really, all the research. And in I was going to
8: say, you're now from preschool to end From of life, birth right? to,
6: yeah, birth or to, birth, yeah, birth, birth yeah. through adults. So, we cover everything now. That is, which is awesome. Cool. So, mm-hmm.
8: Natalie, I got to ask the easy sure. question first. Okay. What's it like to work with the rock star, Dr. Oh Meredith my Harrell? gosh.
2: It's amazing working for Meredith. She's by far my best boss. That is,
8: I'm I, just feel like we, that. I
2: feel like we work together. Natalie doesn't work
6: for me. I'm privileged <laughs> enough to well, work with Natalie.
8: So for those of us that are not yeah. familiar with the Informed SLP, uh-huh. what's what is the process? So let's say I write the greatest article in the or the greatest new research in the world. How do I get it to you? Or if I'm a clinician, why? what is, what is the Informed SLP?
2: Right, so I can speak a little bit, just I actually only started working for the informed SLPs, I think in June maybe, but um, we kind of launched the adult section in August and so for the adults I can tell you that we have research scouts that scout all of the literature that could potentially be relevant for speech, language, voice, cognitive communication and swallowing for adults um, every single month. So we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of articles and they these research scouts are screening at the level of the title and abstract for clinical applicability or potential clinical applicability. So a main question that we're always asking ourselves when we're reviewing the articles is, could an SLP use this research tomorrow, right? So if it's um, something that's maybe like preliminary or has technology that's not really accessible yet, we wouldn't necessarily review that article. Um, So after the research scouts give us a huge pile, usually close to it's usually hundreds of articles per month of what potentially could be clinically applicable, we assign stacks of those articles to writers who then read the article in depth and then ask that question, is this clinically applicable to a real-life SLP working in the trenches? Um, If so, then the writer will proceed to write a review of that article that really highlights and pulls, these are the need-to-knows from this article, this is how it could enhance your practice this is a direct link to any resources that might be mentioned in the article to hopefully do that work that's simply impossible to do for a working slp i mean it's meredith has a huge staff did you say 25 yeah i lose track because we hire new people every month like i just hired two new people because
6: it's a huge job to do it all we have so much research in our field it's a lot to go through
8: i was going to say like doing for speech science i'm just trying to find articles or, yeah. or research and it's no joke hundreds of articles a week. yes
2: yeah is absolutely it? and
6: a yeah. funny thing is i think a common misconception about our website is people think that we're People, people think that we're highlighting bits and pieces of our field's research, kind of just randomly based mm-hmm. on things that we like, but actually our objective is to have read everything that was published that month, if we can possibly find it, um, and then cover the things, all the things that are immediately clinically applicable. Um, because there's a lot of really great research published in our field, yeah. but most of it isn't ready for clinicians to use, um, and so.
8: What I really love about the informed SLP is that I work with dysphagia patients. I work with dementia patients. I work with students that are dyslexic or multiple handicap or Down syndrome or anything. I feel like I'm okay in those areas, but when it comes to looking at research, I'm not necessarily the greatest at pulling out the information. And that's where I love with you guys you have those people.
6: Yeah, yeah, we pull out the information that clinicians need to know so that it can reduce the time barrier and then they can go back and read the full paper if they need to, but they can also see from our reviews whether or not it's a full paper that would be worth their time based on what they have on their caseload and stuff like that.
8: Well, I love it. So anyone listening, where do we find more information? I know it's theinformedslp.com?
6: Yep, theinformedslp.com and um, today through Monday, which I don't know when this podcast is going to air. This will
8: probably air in about two weeks. Okay,
6: never mind. We won't talk about things that are happening in the next 24 to 48 hours, then <laughs> TheInformedSLP.com. us and then you can kind of follow us on social media too, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and we can keep you updated on other things we're doing as well.
8: Awesome, Dr. Meredith Harold, Natalie Douglas, thank you so much. Nice Thanks to meet so you.
2: much.
9: So, welcome Lori Binko, co-founder of Lesson Picks. Hi, how are you? I'm so glad that you're with us tonight at our live podcast episode here at the ASHA Convention Center in Orlando, and you're from Florida, right?
7: Yes, close by Tampa Bay.
9: That's right, and I hear you have a really nice boat.
7: (laughs) (laughs) You're all welcome. (laughs) Come on over. We'll all fit. We'll squeeze real tight.
9: Excellent. Well, there's so many great things to ask you, and I only have a couple minutes here, so I want, want to kind of get right to it. What I love about Lesson Picks is that this is co-founded with your husband, Bill Bingo. Mm -hmm. And you each have your own identities, and yet we asked for Lori Bingo tonight because she's our SLP celebrity. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) But when I ask about um, creating Lesson Picks, I wanted to go back to, like, what were your first days and what were you thinking when you really started to hand-draw
7: these pictures? Back when we began in 2009? Well, actually... um, We started this business, I have to go back even further, because it's not our first business together. We had tried several other businesses together. We had tried like um, mapping, kind of like a Zillow, -Zillow. pre-Zillow. We had an insurance. We tried to start a business together. I'm a teacher and my husband was a consultant and we thought, all right, let's do something together. It was on the side. Not a lot of passion in any of these things. And, you know, as a teacher, we're working huge hours. After school every day, I would come home and I'd be working on my IEPs or making lessons, and he saw me making bingo games one day. He said, oh, you're doing, what, look at all that work, you know, let me help you, I can, I can write a program that makes that, and I'm like, oh, okay, then do it. And next thing I know, We're watching a Rays game, and I'm drawing pictures. We enter them in the computer, and he's writing the program. And there we have our bingo game picture cards, our two first templates of lesson picks. And I'm looking at them, and I'm going, "All right, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool." That's amazing. So his background is in computer engineering.
2: Yes.
9: Okay. Yes. And you just said bingo. Like, don't we all love our custom bingo materials? (laughs) Oh my gosh! So right from the beginning, you started with bingo. Yeah.
7: Bingo and picture cards right off the bat. And we had it free for about two years and said, we really need to do something with this. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So the word do something with this, I'm gonna say is monetize.
9: And as speech language pathologists, we actually don't think about that word often. It's like, okay, we need to pay the bills. We need to cover the expenses. So when did you guys really start thinking about this as a business?
7: Well, it actually, I think we went live in 2011, and it was still a side business Mm -hmm. until we saw how much people loved it, and we watched it grow. Eventually, I took a year off to help develop it, and then when I left, Bill, or I went back to work, and Bill quit his job, and that was petrifying. Yes, that's a big deal, yeah. To make that leap of losing his income right. versus, yeah, it was really hard. But actually, it was empowering mm-hmm. because we are in control of our own lives. I left teaching about three years ago, and we brought other people on the team, and it's been a remarkable journey over these past 10 Congratulations. years. Congratulations. And you Thank also you. have
9: a, um, an actual site now too,
7: correct? Do you have a, a facility? We do. <laughs> You know, that would be one of my uh, biggest pieces of advice. Would we got a place where we keep work and home separate? Yes. And that, I think, really helps when you're working with your Mm -hmm. partner and you want to get along so that when you go home, it's family time. When you go to work, you have a separate place. So tell us about Lesson Picks Pillow Talk. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs)
9: Ooh. Ah, TMI. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, at this point, I think that my listeners are people like you who have this idea, and you Mm -hmm. have this creative side of you, and you have this passion, and you want to start doing something. So what would be your three tips to starting to do something with your life partner?
7: Well, I think the first one would be passion. That was the key. Like I mentioned before, we had our businesses that we tried to launch, and I'm just, I'm not into insurance, I'm not passionate about it. But I am passionate about empowering my students and their families with visuals, very passionate. And Bill as well, he's very passionate, he's very extroverted, out there talking to everybody. And once we had this good team thing, we were able to make something really solid, really good. Um. You said three things. Yeah, the first one was passion. <laughs> well, the second one would be space. And that actually refers to not just physical space, like I talked about the building and having a separate place, but also um, mental space, like our own separate and separate parts of Lesson Picks. And from that, I don't know if you guys know, but Lesson Picks funds two initiatives, 18 Makers and Minor Achievements. So it's sort of our branches. AT Makers, hits the technical side, his passion, and Minor Achievements is a therapy center in Tarpon Springs, Florida, where I still get the time to work with kids hands-on.
9: Yeah, that's good, that's really important because doesn't that fuel the symbols that you're making or creating? It does,
7: definitely. And you stay, you know, Mm hands-on, real. That's true, okay, and number three. Number three. I think it would be creativity or innovation. Like, never get comfortable. I have to say, every one of our conversations at night when we have dinner, it's interesting. Of course, it's fascinating talking with Bill because there's always something else going on. Um, But it, it just keeps things alive. We're never just, okay. we're happy with lesson picks and we're done. There's always something new to venture into and AT Makers, Lesson Picks, and our therapy center. So for example, this morning we launched our mobile site, which I'm so happy about. It's super exciting. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's, it's incredible. You can make visuals right from your phone. I love it.
9: That's amazing. So that yeah. gets everybody being able to do it very flexible instead of having to go and log into your computer and do things
7: there. It comes down to our mission of accessibility that's what we're always about right and if it's affordable and if it's easy if it's in your hand it's accessible to get these visuals to empower our our children
9: beautiful well thank you so much for joining us Lori bingo with lesson picks and thanks for being here tonight for the live
7: show thank you
0: Talking with Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Needle, joined today by Jenny Burem. Jenny, thank you so much. You're here with us, and we're live at ASHA. Yeah, this is so great and fun. I cannot wait to deep dive with you about a proxy of speech. You are such a expert in the field and I love following all of your work on social media. And I'm just I just want to dive right in because I have a million questions. Obviously, we have a podcast dedicated to AAC. We have a lot of students that we work with who have significant challenges. Childhood apraxia of speech is something that I I don't work with directly, but indirectly I work with a lot of students. So first, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your business. You're doing amazing things.
3: So I'm in private practice in Overland Park, Kansas, and currently right now I see about 24 kids a week with a diagnosis of child apraxia speech. Either kids that have come to me with that diagnosis or children that I have diagnosed myself. Um, So I think... Probably over the past five or six years, I've really dug into CIS, really made sure that I've attended any you know extra education that I possibly could to complement all the work I've been doing, <clears throat> excuse me. And just really made sure that I was informed and using the most and best research to support my practice and then also helping others in that space. So I've been presenting more, and I've created of speech publications to um, create some of the tools that I use in my therapy that I find successful to help other speech therapists and parents um, help children, specifically with CAS, but others as well.
0: And you presented in Asha, right, yesterday? I did, I
3: presented for three hours yesterday. <laughs> I
0: know, it's a long time. It was
3: great, I spoke the entire time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: So I'm really excited to dive into apraxia, and the first thing I want to ask you is, what are some red flags? Because I feel like there's a lot of uh, misunderstandings about apraxia of speech, and I know for a fact that there are a lot of clinicians listening thinking, uh, is that apraxia? I'm not sure.
3: Yeah, I think one of the misconceptions is that there might be just one or two red flags, and the red flags that most people resort to as far as apraxia is inconsistent errors on repeated trials. So, hey, I've got this kid that's inconsistent. Well, there's a lot more that goes into it than just inconsistency. And I'd say inconsistency is one of those red flags that we see pretty much across the board. But according to research, there's probably about 11 red flags. And so we need to look at those across different speech tasks and make sure that we're seeing a consistency in those red flags to have a differential diagnosis of CAS. So some more of the red flags would be consonant distortions, vowel distortions, an intrusive schwa, initial articulatory configuration difficulty, difficulty with multisyllabic syllabic words, um, prosody issues, um, slow rate. So there's a whole bunch of these. And if you look at Um, kind of the gold standard, the Mayo 10, or some of even the latest research by Overby and Kasperi that talks about um, the early signs of CAS from birth to two years of age. Mm. Yeah, so when you are getting that background information, you know, getting that early on information from parents to find out, is that going to help support your diagnosis?
0: Right, and it's not just, it's not an easy diagnosis to make.
3: It's not, and it's one that I think... I would say between 60 to 70% of speech therapists definitely don't feel comfortable making. Um, Myself included. And that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, But there is supportive research out there to help you with that. Um, Edith Strand just came out with the DEMS, which mm-hmm. is an excellent resource. And you don't have to pay for protocols. They, you download them free off the internet. Yes. love it love, I great. love anything free that's <laughs> uh, great um, so there is an apraxiakids.org is an mm-hmm. excellent spot great yeah. spot to go uh, Apraxia Kids is actually having their boot camp this summer mm-hmm. uh, this coming summer you have to apply for it and I've been through that and that was amazing that's in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and it's a great way to get really in depth training so the, the, it's out there I just feel like the education at the graduate level is not there mm-hmm. and it's just one that speech therapists feel uncomfortable and unsure about because they may have one kid on their caseload, especially in the school setting, for, you know, for their whole time they practice. Yeah. So it's, it's not something like me, I get to do it every single day.
0: Right, and when you have the diagnosis of apraxia, how does that change your treatment? Because I know there's a lot of overlap too with phonological processes. Like it's not usually cut and dry. Yeah, there's a lot of
3: comorbidity going on with other things. So you definitely want to take a motor planning approach. And Mm -hmm. for me, I see a lot of younger kids um, from the age of two, uh, to 10 is probably my caseload, uh, but mostly younger, and DTTC works really well for me, so dynamic temporal and tactile Cue- cueing by Dr. Ida Strand, and you can get trained on that for free. It's You can get online and get free CEUs and get DTTC training for free. I did and not it works. realize it was free. It's amazing. She is phenomenal mm-hmm. i always tell people like if you're gonna just google d t t c edith strand <laughs> dallas and then it'll come <laughs> up and you can take the course for free and you get free ceus as well mm-hmm. uh but it's definitely worth it it's, um, since i've taken her online course and her live course she's mm-hmm. got an in-person course as well that you can apply for uh, my therapy has completely changed.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Let's talk a little bit about your business, too, besides the practice that you do. I know you have a lot of really great resources, um, and I really love your vision of sharing the information that you have, and you're wonderful on social media, and all of the the things that your business are, are creating. So I'm wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about all of the other resources and trainings and things that you have to offer through uh, BRM speech publications?
3: So I think one of the biggest things, the feedback I get from therapists is, thank you so much for all the work you do on Instagram and me being in private practice, I'm very, very blessed to have the parents in my therapy room Mm -hmm. at all times. And then parents say, yeah, go ahead and post my kid all over social media (laughs) so that you can share your knowledge and show these therapy sessions with everybody out there. And I think that's what I get most is I learn so much from you watching you do therapy Mm -hmm. on social media so I think that's probably number one and my Bjorn speech sound cues have been a great support for Mm -hmm. families and therapists and I think I feel like I've gotten really really good feedback I don't want to like (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, <sighs> like I, I, I can that. talk but, it you know, up for you. Like, they're wonderful.
3: Thank you. Uh, but we do. We get really good feedback because the kids can relate to them, cu- the cues, and they understand them quickly at a very young age and they feel empowered and it's hopeful. And then, you know, our goal is to fade those cues and mm-hmm. take those away. So, but it gives them an initial support and and pull-in support when needed. So And they're super fun. They are fun. You guys yeah, definitely AMI have artist, to check them out. <laughs> she is fabulous. We're really excited about the work she's done with the art.
0: I love it. So obviously we have a podcast dedicated to AAC, so I would love for you to share some ideas. We have clinicians who are focusing a lot on AAC, and myself included, I try to take a total communication approach with the children that I work with. I'm not just doing AAC, you know, I'm working on a lot of different things. Are there some things that clinicians can start working on during their sessions to help support children who have childhood apraxia of speech?
3: Well, if they know they have childhood apraxia speech and, you know, you're using whole language, but yet your goal is to get verbals Mm -hmm. out of them, I think, you know, definitely be trained in DTTC. Mm -hmm. Um, I would, you know, get a sound repertoire, what sounds Mm -hmm. does this child have in their repertoire, whether it's spontaneous or imitated or Mm -hmm. stimulable for, and come up with some really functional target words for you to, you know, work on in therapy so that they can get some verbals. And it works, it really does, even those kids that are minimally verbal. Mm -hmm. um, And the younger kids, I think Carrie Ebert talks a lot about, you know, those younger kids that with suspected CAS or minimally verbal or nonverbal, you know, working on a lot of environmental sounds, Mm -hmm. play-based, meaningful uh, giving them those power words, using those core words. Right. Yeah. And
0: that's the other thing too, is that it doesn't have to be this either or approach. We can work on speech. If a child, you know, tries to say an approximation of a word, we can always model it on the device. Absolutely. Um, And that's what I usually tell teams. It doesn't have to be one or the other. We can do a hybrid
3: approach. Do it together. Exactly. For sure.
0: So for our listeners who are interested in learning more about you,
3: where can they find you online? Instagram is probably my (laughs) biggest spot. I'm on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, uh, and my website. Everything is Bjorm Speech. So Bjorm Speech on Facebook, Bjorm Speech on YouTube, Bjorm Speech on Instagram. and All the things. All the things. (laughs) All the (laughs) cues is what I always say. All the (laughs) cues.
0: Thank you so much, Jenny. I really appreciate you coming today live at ASHA Um, for Talking With Tech. I'm Rachel Madel, joined with Jenny Bjorm. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.
3: Thanks for having me. Yeah.
8: Welcome back to speak Science. I'm Matt Hutt, joined by Michael and Michelle. What's up, guys? What's up? Hi, Matt. Hi. So, Asha was fun. I am kind of happy to put Asha behind us because I feel like even though it was a 19-hour drive, it's a lot of work to go to Asha.
1: It's definitely a lot of work. But also, you had the benefit of seeing Mickey Mouse. That
8: is true. <laughs> and I built a lightsaber. And I built a droid. And I flew the Millennium Falcon and saved the universe, two times, so I was pretty excited.
1: I will say the after party was great. I did get a last-minute ticket to that. Did you? Yeah, thanks to some very helpful Asha employees at the That's help desk. awesome.
8: All right, guys, let's put a bow on episode 99. What are you doing next week, Michael?
4: Uh, just getting back to work after the Thanksgiving break. A lot of uh, rescheduled sessions, makeup sessions. Uh, We're really getting into the grind here before Christmas vacation starts. So I'm gonna have a very, very busy week uh, with uh, all of my fellow clinicians and lots of report writing and lots of uh, getting things together for the end of the first true semester here, the first half of the school year. So we got a lot, a lot of work to do before vacation begins. I believe it's around the 21st this year. Ooh. So a lot going on between now and December 21st. And Michelle, what's up with you?
1: You know, even though I'm not in a school anymore where I don't have that set Thanksgiving and Christmas break, I still feel like in a clinic, I still have that in-between of like, pushing myself and my patients through <laughs> till Christmas break. So i um, trying to get creative and come up with good ideas that relate to the holidays as well with, with my patients. Um, and on a fun note about baby speech science, he started a toddler gymnastics class Ooh. and it is hilarious and awesome. And I love it.
8: That is awesome. My littlest Andy is doing DDP yoga with me now. Ooh, and it is it. terrifyingly it. how flexible he is versus how not flexible I am. Give it time, man. He's still
1: so bendy Give right it time. now.
8: His bones aren't real. That's what it is. Uh, for me, I've got a couple ETRs and IEPs to finish writing, and then it's the slow 14-day countdown until uh, Christmas break. So I am pumped. Our intro music tonight was Please Listen Carefully by Jazar. It's licensed under an attribution and share alike license. Our bump music is the county fair rock copyrighted John Deku find all of his music over at soundcloud.com slash dirt dog music. And our closing music is the slow burn by Kevin McLeod. It's licensed under a creative commons and attribution license in the immortal words of Janice, Wright, Always be a willow. Don't be an oak. The willow will bend, but return to form guys. Guess what next week is.
1: Tell us Ep- episode 100. 100.
8: We made it to a century until then. For Michael it's like an McLeod. anniversary
1: celebration, it
8: will be for Michael McCloud and Michelle Wintering. I'm Matt Hot. Until next, until next time. So long, everybody.
1: Bye.
5: This has been an Exceptional Podcast Network production. Speech Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at SpeechSciencePC and like our page on Facebook. For more original podcasts, please visit ExceptionalEd.com and rate and subscribe to our podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts.